0: Hi everyone, this is Joe Holland in San Diego. Thanks to everyone who came out and boogied to support our beloved Bunport Theater at Ron's birthday raffle benefit party. If you're in Denver, we're hosting another special event this weekend at the Underground Music Showcase called Cover Story, where performers will share a story and then play a cover song to go along with it. The show is Saturday, July 28th at 3. As always, you can check the narrators.org and Facebook for more details. Our next regular monthly shows will take place on Tuesday, August 14th at Tiger Tiger Tavern in San Diego and Wednesday, August 15th at Bunport Theater in Denver. The theme is cheating. See you there. Next storyteller. All right, next storyteller. This next storyteller. Our next storyteller. Welcome to the Narrators Podcast. This podcast collects stories that were told at the Narrators, a monthly storytelling event that features people telling true stories based on a theme. Jesse Caverly is a first-time storyteller. He told this story Tuesday, July 10th, live at Tiger Tiger Tavern in San Diego about a beer run gone bad.
1: So, we were going to do a beer run. Not run out and grab some beer, but grab some beer and run. You know, a beer. Run! Run! What you do is, you walk into the store. Try not to look at the man behind the counter with too much apprehension or betrayal in your eyes of what you're about to do. Casually, cool as a cucumber, cool as the other side of your pillow, you pick up a six-pack, or in our case, forties. You look like you're walking to the front to pay for it. Hopefully, you look old enough to buy. Because if you don't the man behind the counter is going to be a few seconds ahead of you with his suspicions breaking the surface and then you catch your boys in the corner of your eye looking for that signal that subterranean telepathy that criminals who've operated together for even a little bit of time should share and then you run because there's more than one of us in this case three the odds are good at least two will make it but i wasn't in the store because i was the only one with a set of wheels I was the fourth, the getaway driver, of a hatchback two-door. Tiny little thing, which means we got to get two of my guys into the back seat and then slam back the front seat, so the the front passenger seat, for the last guy to get his ass into the front before I peel off, with an angry 7-Eleven man behind the counter giving chase. So there's not much forward thinking going into it. It's a beer run. (laughs) It's an American tradition for teenagers, mostly male, that is rooted somewhere between rite of passage and stupid shit boys do. An elixir of teenage bravado, lack of resources, or access to the better things in life, a.k.a. ghetto economics, and boredom. That boredom. What do they say? Idle hands of the devil's playground? I'm reminded of an experiment done in the 70s that's been enjoying a popular resurgence lately, called Rat Park. To para-describe, there were two sets of rats in two different cages. Both cages had two water bottles each, one with pure water, the other one laced with morphine. One cage was a playground, resplendent, with wheels to run in, tubes and tunnels to scurry through, cedar shavings on the ground. There was shit to do in there, you know? But the other cage, not so much. Nothing to do really but guzzle that sweet, sweet morphine water. So what do you think happened? Naturally, the rats that were in a stimulating environment that called their attention to interaction and activity consumed much less of the morphine. The rats in the barren cage, of course, drank themselves to death. Rat Park is a divisive study that has become its own meme now and I have no doubt some of you listening tonight might take issue with the way I'm citing it to make my point but I stand by it. Boredom kills. Add in the aforementioned lack of opportunity or representation for some and you've got dumb kids plotting a beer run at 11 p.m. on a Tuesday. Rat Park didn't have much else to offer us. Out of my three compatriots from that night one would rat out the other over a shooting on the west side. The ripple from that event would occasionally bristle the relations between Mexican and black inmates in prisons as far away as Colorado years later. TJ, side note, names have been changed to protect the not-so-innocent and those whose innocence was stripped away at a young age, kind of one and the same. TJ, the T would be sentenced to a long stretch in prison over it. And the third guy from that night would succumb to a serious drug addiction. So there I sat, around the corner in the shadow of the 7-Eleven, the engine running, waiting for the boys. For some reason, I thought I had time. I was adjusting the rearview mirror, which didn't need to be adjusted. But hey, I was not taking any chances. I was being thorough, and then, bam, there they were. RJ and AC, again, name changes, squeezed into the back seat with a quickness. TJ was getting into the front as I started to gun the car. He still had one leg out, hopping on the ground as we barreled out of the parking lot. He was shouting at me for, to slow down. He was, for a few moments, on a real-life hamster wheel in real-life Rat Park, foot pumping away, trying to break the rhythm, snap free from a painfully obvious joke, and jammed his big ass into my small car. Once he slammed the door shut, there was laughter from the back seat. But not for long. Suddenly, we were lit up by the headlamps of what seemed like a monster truck behind us, apparently giving chase. I'm sure it wasn't a monster truck. I'm sure it was just a regular truck, jacked up a little with headlamps and knobby tires. But things can become magnified when you're on adrenaline, so for a moment, it seemed like we were being followed by a fucking monster truck with headlamps as bright as the sun and shit. Is that a gun rack in the back window with a fucking gun? My compatriots were black and brown. The monster truck screamed racist white dude. I could only imagine what he was thinking with this good Samaritan street justice bullshit that he was on. The beer run had become a beer chase. <clears throat> I felt like I didn't have much time before the possibility of this guy memorizing my license plate happened, which is perhaps a ridiculous worry for me to have in the moment. But again, the telescoping of perception when adrenaline is vibrating through your frame like gangbusters cannot be underplayed. And I was always known as the overly cautious one, the analytical thinker who sometimes let that get in the way of just getting away with it. We shot past the apartment complex we were kicking it at. We're sure as not fuck stopping there with Yosemite Sam on our ass. Maybe he wouldn't follow in, but if he did, who knows what would have happened. The street we were on had a few curves before we would hit a T. So there's not even a stop sign that I could run. And getting into a protracted race with this guy? For all I knew, he was smoking in the bandit right now, on his CB radio, calling in friends. All right, I said. When I hit the apartments, I'll kill the lights and park. Everybody get the fuck out and vanish, and I'll wait and see if he follows." When I hit the T, I made a sharp U-turn and gunned it, facing the truck. I swerved halfway into the truck's lane and flipped my brights on. The beer run was now a chicken run. But, I'm not trying at all to claim that I was a badass. By no means was I really gonna play chicken with the Good Samaritan in his fucking monster truck. I was barely a few seconds in his lane before I swerved back into our own, but it was enough. The boys screaming, oh shit, me whipping past the truck, around the curb, swerving into the apartment parking lot, into a space, lights killed, everybody pouring out of the car like rats escaping a flood. The bigger lesson found in Rat Park is the age-old classic, the haves and the have-nots. The way this is reflected in neighborhoods across America is by design. It's deliberate. Argue otherwise with me, but I stand by this point as well. If you drive down 40th Street far enough, all that affluence on display, the well-tended yards of lush grass, luxury cars and driveways, the occasional pair of stone lions guarding the gate to a three-story Victorian house that's been remodeled with all the modern amenities. If you drive down far enough, the money disintegrates into pennies on the dollar, clapboard homes and Liquor stores and empty lots choked with weeds. The privilege, the advantage, the grandfathering in of the next generation, the good schools, the good jobs, the good food, the artisanal, small-batch, Guyana-sourced, locally roasted coffee. None of that shit is there, just water laced with morphine. The neighborhood we were in was stretched to a snapping point along a two-lane highway. Rent was low. Aspirations were lower. Train tracks nearby that rarely hosted commerce, or souls moving from point A to point B. Street lights were yellowish, or blinking, like the irritated eye of a city suffering the collective PTSD that poverty inflicts. When I emerged from my car, the night air was rich with jasmine and sweltering hot. I was confident the Good Samaritan had wisely decided to not flip around and follow us into the apartment complex. My compatriots would emerge from the shadows with 40s and we would sit on the steps and laugh about the whole thing and drink and say what we would have done to the Good Samaritan and flick cigarettes into the gutter. These days I find myself examining the way race has a cause and effect on the experiences around us. The risks that I took were not as magnified for some of my friends. Because of the privilege I have as a white man, I'm not a constant moving target. I'm not a profile. I am a son of the architects of Rat Park. I can navigate both sides, step over that clear demarcation between the two, the barren and the bountiful, devil's playground for idle hands crafted by devils. The way I see it, the rat parks of this country and possibly the world over, with the drama and the chaos, the injustice The systemic racism, the divide and conquer, the small moments of joy, and the small victories, all of it are fine-tuned social constructs. They are really the only true perfect plans.
2: The Narrators is produced by Robert Rutherford, Mary Robertson, Aaron Rollman, and me, Ron Doyle. Our assistant producer is Sydney Crane. Our theme music is by Whalehawk. And our founder and executive producer is Andrew Orvidal. A very special thanks to our amazing sponsors, Illegal Pete's, Sexy Pizza, From the Hip Photo, and Renegade Brewing Company. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app.